Welcome to the How to Be Good Enough podcast. I'm Christina Kwan. I help women slipping in and out of depression finally find their self-worth. All opinions are my own and should not be used to substitute help from a mental health professional. But as someone who once thought that suicide was the only option, I can tell you, depression is a mindset. It can be changed. I'm so glad you're here so I can show you how. Let's get started. Welcome to episode one. I'm glad you're here at the start of this podcast that boldly claims that I can teach you how to be good enough, because the truth is that I can. However you're feeling about yourself, I'll show you how you can turn things around and start feeling better about yourself and the life you're living. How to be good enough was the question that tormented me for most of my life. It seemed to be something that everyone had figured out except me. And I felt that it was bitterly unfair that everyone else in the world could walk so confidently as themselves while I was plagued every waking moment with my own insecurity. It seemed like I was born this way and I would never be anything different. As you might have guessed from the intro, I'm a survivor of clinical depression. I'm talking three attempts and what felt like a lifetime of feeling utterly miserable, wishing I could be anyone else but myself. I sabotaged relationships and burned bridges like nobody's business. I acted out. I was out of control and I thought I would never be able to regulate my emotions. I felt everything deeply and I was highly sensitive to rejection. I blamed myself for a lot and I blamed others for a lot more. It was difficult to be connected with anyone in a real way because I was convinced that the only reason anyone wanted to be with me was to use me for one thing or another. I was convinced that no one cared about me at all, not even my own family. And I was convinced that I was broken and that I didn't deserve my life. When I first realized that I would never be depressed ever again, I was surprised. Because it's a thought that never once occurred to me in all the years that I was depressed. I never thought it would be possible to have the thought that I wouldn't be depressed again in the first place. Because truthfully, I never thought I would live an existence where I wasn't depressed. And the biggest reason for starting this podcast is because I also realized that I didn't suddenly wake up one day without depression. I didn't suddenly snap out of it. I had actively worked on becoming the person that didn't have it anymore. And if it was possible for me, it's possible for you too. It won't happen all at once, like it didn't happen all at once for me. But stick with me and you'll see a way out. So in today's episode, I want to start by giving you a rundown of what my recovery looked like. I experienced several different phases of depression in what would be a 15-year span. Officially 15 years, but I would say technically 20 because I knew in my teenage years that something wasn't right. I want to explore these phases briefly with you because I want to give you a glimpse of what you can expect as we continue to work together through these episodes. They're not prescriptive meaning that your own experience will vary from what I describe here. But it's meant to be a sort of guide to illustrate the different phases you'll experience as you start your journey toward recovery with me here. You're not so far away from feeling amazing about yourself and your life, even if you're in the deepest, darkest depths of it right now. I know it can seem that way when your brain has convinced you that everything about you is wrong. But that's why I want to lay this out for you, because when I was deep in it, I never saw how it could be possible to ever be out of it. 
There is always this unspoken notion that recovery would take lots of time and that it isn't guaranteed. So right here, I want you to release this idea that you'll never change. It's just straight up not true. You have a brain that has the power to turn into itself. And that also means you have a brain that has the power to turn out of itself too. So let's dive in. These are in order of the kind of pain you'd experience in each phase. But I don't want to give the impression that there's any order to how you experience depression or how you'll experience your recovery. In fact, a lot of what I'll describe in each phase actually blends into another or all of the other phases. In future episodes, we'll talk more about how you can navigate through each of these and come up on the other end faster. But for now, take this as just one example of how things could shape out for you. One thing I want to note here as I go through each of these is, depending on how deeply you identify with having depression, some of the things I'll run through in this next section of the podcast might trigger heightened emotion in you. So if you're about to start a workday or about to go into a meeting where you need to keep the emotions at bay, I want you to stop listening here and just come back to it when you know you've got some time to process what I'm about to tell you. I remember so well the first time I realized that I could recover, and it was a very emotional day for me, a few days even. So be gentle with yourself and come back as soon as you can. All right, so the first phase is deep depression. This is the period where everything seems utterly hopeless. It's hard to see any reason to do anything. It's hard to see the point of getting out of bed and continuing to keep up pretenses. You've got no energy whatsoever, yet you find yourself sleeping all the time. It's tough to get out of bed, to take care of yourself, even to eat. Everything about you is screaming for help. But the way that it looks to everyone else, it's as though you've become lazy and irresponsible. You just don't care anymore, because that's the truth. It's tough being alone, and it seems like everyone's doing something without you. Death is on your mind all the time. In fact, you might be interacting with people and thinking about what their reaction would be once you're gone. And if anyone has anything even slightly negative to say, it completely tears you down. I want to take a moment and talk to you if this is you right now listening to this. I want you to know that you're the strongest person I know. You're battling a mind that won't give up showing you all the images you don't want to see. I know it seems like it'll be this way forever, or at least for far too long before you give up, but I'm here to tell you that it does get better, better than you can imagine right now. I want you to consider this. Every feeling we've ever experienced in life has an opposite feeling. You've experienced moments of anger, and you've experienced moments of calm and acceptance. This is the exact same thing. You're experiencing the deepest depths of despair and anguish. I know how painful it is, but what I want you to see and hold on to is that there's an equally amazing high of love and joy waiting for you on the other side of this period in your life. It makes no sense to endure all of this pain right now without seeing and realizing the exact opposite for yourself. That's available to you. And because you've been so strong in enduring this pain for so long, you should know that you already have everything you need to survive. This is just the beginning of your vibrant life. Continue to be strong and do what's right to take care of yourself. 
This life is worth living, I promise you. But the only way for you to truly find out what I mean, you've got to push through and see it for yourself. Now let me stop here and say, if you're having thoughts of suicide, this is not the time to troubleshoot things on your own. You're in danger. Really think about that. Your brain is threatening to take you away from everything that you love. So get yourself some help. Even if it means that everyone will find out that something's up, you'll be able to get back on track later, no problem. But right now, what you need is support. Go out and get it for yourself right now. Don't wait. Okay, so this next phase I call emptiness. Because even though you may feel empty throughout this journey, this phase is when you feel it the most. The emptiness fills you and it's endless. It's the experience of being in a black hole, except that you yourself are the black hole. There's a lot of numbing in this phase, a lot of not feeling anything. It can be scary and disarming because you're used to being in a state of extreme emotion. I remember feeling so taken aback by the emptiness that was consuming me that I would actively read through the pages of my journal, like the memories of my darkest moments, just so I could feel something. The emptiness is unsettling because there's no care. You're a ghost in your own life. You're a shadow living among real people. It's still really difficult to get yourself up and going because everything is meaningless. The way that I think about this phase is that your brain has gone into survival mode. The onslaught of persistent negative thinking is making it difficult for you to follow through on the basic elements of survival, like eating for sustenance, getting good sleep and rest, and moving your body. For a lot of people, the experience of depression is between these two phases, so much so that they feel like it's exactly the same thing. The reason why I separate them like this is because you're not in the same state mentally speaking, even though the level of pain you're in feels more or less the same. It's an important distinction because your emotional capacity to train your mind out of each phase is very different, and for that reason, what you do and how you'll think to move out of it will be different. That being said, it's a very fine line between the two. So my recommendation here is the same as when you're in deep depression. Don't wait to feel better. Get help. Reach out to someone close to you or find a therapist. The way I want you to think about what you're going through is like this. You're experiencing a cancer of the mind. And when people have cancer, they don't tell themselves they can figure it out on their own or that it'll get better with time. I want you to consider that you're working against time the longer you wait to get help. Okay, so this next phase I'm calling the facade. It's when you're able to keep your wits about you enough to keep up pretenses, but there's a story about you that's hidden from view from everyone you interact with. You have just enough energy to pretend like everything's okay. You're able to crack a smile even though you're experiencing turmoil on the inside. And there's varying degrees of how well you're able to pull it off. Depending on how low you're feeling, you might not even be able to crack that smile. Your underlying emotions rule the day and you allow yourself to be perceived as a total bitch because you just can't muster the energy for that fake enthusiasm. In those moments when you don't have to be on, you're highly likely to turn to drugs or alcohol to numb away the pain. And even though you're really invested in keeping everything looking like it's all going smoothly, you're really open to anything happening that could potentially end your suffering. During this period, I found myself praying a lot for freak accidents. You hear all the time about how people die accidentally just crossing the street. 
Well, I would imagine those scenarios any time I was at the street corner hoping it would happen to me. It's not that the suffering really has minimized or that it's any less painful. It's more so that you still have two feet inside, even though half of your body is leaning way out the door. If this is you, I don't want to give you the impression that you're clear out of danger just because you're not actively thinking about suicide. In reality, you're just one negative thought too many away from slipping back into deep depression or emptiness. Because here, you still can't see how it might be possible for life to be any different, even if you're not in the darkest spot in the hole. You still want to get immediate help, so if you're not seeing a therapist, I would highly recommend getting one if you can. One of my clients started working with me when she was in this phase, and I had encouraged her to work with me in tandem with a therapist. At any stage, I think it's helpful to get as much support as you can. But especially if this is your experience, having the support of both a therapist and a life coach doubles the impact of both. So if you're in a position to do this, I highly encourage you to do it. All right, this next phase I lovingly, I lovingly call the double whammy. I call it this because this is the phase when extreme anxiety meets depression. Everything's a trigger for elevated emotion. So where before you lost interest in anything, this is when this is when everything seems to matter. You're really caught up in how you're perceived, so everything becomes really important to maintaining the facade. You might worry excessively about how you said something or how you came across to certain people. So even though you've always been worried about what other people think, now's the time when you have enough energy to do something about it. And your body goes into a complete state of extreme compensation. You might find it difficult to get through a conversation without hearing your brain screaming at you about how horrible you're doing at having that conversation. It's that special time in recovery where you wonder if life was better when you were in deep depression, because at least you didn't care as much what the consequences were for your existence on earth. Not only did, do you hate yourself and wish you didn't exist, now you care deeply how you exist. It's also when you become resigned to the fact that maybe you'll be getting help, whether through therapy or medication, for the rest of your life. Life will always suck a little, and it's your lot in life to deal with it. If you're here, I want to encourage you to adopt the perspective I'm presenting to you here. I look at this period of my recovery with fondness because I didn't have a clue that it was my beacon of light to the road ahead. You care. That's the biggest thing about this. And because you care, you have the ability to turn everything around for yourself. Okay, this next phase is characterized completely by one decision. I call it the resolve. It marks the beginning of an exponential climb to the kind of life you've been dreaming of living. The kind where you're not so caught up in what everyone else is thinking about you. The kind where you start living according to your own standards, where you embrace everything that you are and love it unconditionally. This decision is the start to all of that. It's the decision to stay, no matter what. Up until this phase of my recovery, voluntary death was always an option. I didn't always feel completely convinced that it was the only option, but it was an option that was always available to me. In this phase, I made the one decision that would determine everything that I was able to create from that time until now, and from now into the future. The beautiful thing about this phase is that you could skip right to it, even if you're in deep depression. The trick will be to always choose to figure, this, to figure out this life thing, no matter what life attacks you with. No matter how hard it is to battle your mind, no matter how often your brain presents death to you as an option, if you choose decisively that death is not an option, 
you'll begin to accelerate your, your recovery like nothing else will. Not therapy, not medication. Of course, the deeper in your depression you are, the harder it is to choose. I get that. But I wouldn't let that stop you from trying to choose, from practicing choosing life actively every moment you can. When I made this decision, it changed everything about the way I viewed myself and how I would live my life moving forward. It meant that I looked headlong into my challenges, owned up to them, and did whatever I could to improve my situation. Because I figured if I wasn't going to leave anymore, I should probably figure out a comfortable way to stay. It wasn't sustainable to be in the double whammy mode for the rest of my life. That, were, that would require way too much energy to stay in that state. So I encourage you to have the resolve to stick around and figure this out. And even if you can't quite get there right now, or even by the end of this episode, stick with it for as long as it takes until you get there. And stay tuned for future episodes because I'll continue to help you with this as we go on. So the phase after the resolve, I've decided to name Euphoria. Because honestly, never in a million years did I ever imagine I would ever be in a place with myself where I felt such love and comfort in who I am that I know without a doubt that I'll never be in that deep depression ever again. It's not that I don't get sad or frustrated or upset at myself ever. It's just that I know that's a part of my life. And most importantly, that I can handle it all. What I've learned about myself from having depression is that I'm capable of enduring excruciating pain. The pain of loneliness and isolation, of worthlessness and rejection. Because I was able to endure these kinds of feelings, I know that I have the endurance to feel any feeling that comes along. In this phase, you feel better about yourself because you're able to navigate your life in a far different way than you're used to doing. You're more forgiving of yourself and the mistakes you make. You own up to your own behaviors and the thinking that leads to them. The love you give to others is as strong as the love you give to yourself. You see yourself as a whole person, worthy of love no matter what situation you find yourself in. And because of that, you're more likely to make decisions that are in line with who you most want to be. You know what you value and you live your life in integrity with them. Getting to the stage requires focus. More than anything, it requires that you're open to the possibility of getting to this stage, of being willing to try at it for as long as it takes. I'll be helping you every step of the way. In future episodes, we'll talk so much more about how to be more of yourself, to love more of yourself, and accept yourself in a way that you've never done before. Being good enough isn't something that just happens randomly to the ordained few, because in reality, you're already good enough. The only thing that's missing is that you believe it to be true. I'll help you with that in the episodes to come. For now, see you next time. Have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye.